Oh. Hey, good morning to all of our listeners. Hmm. I am Brother Magellan asking for our new topic for today about the the four living uh, the four rivers in the Garden of Eden. Can I read, Brother Francis? Yes, please read. Uh, in and in Genesis chapter two says verse ten, and a river and a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. Eleven. The name of the first is Pison, that is it which composed the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, verse 12, and the gold of that land is good, there is bedillium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the is that composed the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Sidikel, that is with which go it toward the east of Assyria, and the four rivers is Euphrates. Euphrates. In Revelation chapter 22, is, uh, I should me, and he should me a few rivers of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God, and of the land, Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on the either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bear twelve manner of fruits, and yielded their fruits every month, and the leaves of the tree, wherefore the healing of the nation. Now, what is the significance of this uh, for living uh, the rivers of living water to the, the word of Jesus Christ that say that out of this valley flow a living, living a, a rivers of living water. Okay, so um, the significance of the rivers in Eden. Uh, we I have videos that there I wish to announce. Uh, look for the video in YouTube, Exploring Eden Eastward, from End Time English. And um, uh, Rivers of Living Water, search also for that in Kogyo End Time Series and Progressive Revelation Ministry. Now, um, I have also a track, uh, Exploring Eden Eastward, but it's a very short explanation there. It just gives you an idea. The, there was a literal river in Eden. And it it parted into four heads after it left Eden. So there was a river in Eden from the west going to the east. So it passed by Eden. The west that is the location of the where the Temple Mount is. So in if you go to the Temple Mount there is the Gihon Spring. But in Genesis 2, Gihon is a big river. So what happened to the river? It 
it, it, right now it's just a Gihon Spring. And Euphrates, Tigris and Euphrates does not come from there, does not pass through there anymore. But during the time when Adam was created, the uh, Aden, uh, Garden of Eden was planted, the, the water uh, came from the west, from where Adam was created, and he, planned, and he placed Adam eastward in Eden. The water passed through Eden, watering the garden there. Then after it left Eden, it parted into four heads. So that is where you see Ethiopia, the Saudi Arabia, there's gold, and even to Turkey and others. It parted into four heads. These four heads could represent also typologically the four living creatures, the four winds. I have a topic there. I have videos there. I even have broadcast there. I hope someone would compile them into one uh, audio video uh, streaming. So, uh, uh, as an office work. So, um, these uh, rivers, four rivers, it has its representation, the four Gospels, the four horsemen, the four insects in Joel, the four winds, and many others. It represents also the resurrection. It represents life. It represents the... This river represents the Holy Spirit. Now, the literal river disappeared after the flood. But it will come back. The, cha the books you could read are Zechariah chapter 14 and Ezekiel 47. This river from Eden will come back. The, the deserts of Arabia in the Middle East, the deserts in the Middle East, they will all be watered again by this river. And suddenly, the whole Middle East became, will become like the Garden of Eden again. I'm talking of in the millennium. Zechariah 14 and Ezekiel 47, there's a part, of course, Zechariah 14 is just two verses. But uh, Ezekiel 47 is whole chapter. How the river will flow again and many trees will come back up. That is the same thing being mentioned in Revelation chapter 22. When you read Revelation, we have parallelisms. Um, there is a literal river coming from the temple, from the city, going, uh, watering the dry deserts of the Middle East. Uh, that's in the millennium, then in the eternal age. But the Revelation 22, river of living water coming from Jerusalem, also represents spiritual river. Now, the temple, if you review my previous videos and tracts, the temple represents the believer. It represents Christ. Uh, the, there's the outer court, the inner court, uh, uh, the holy place, the most holy place. So there's the spirit, the soul, and the body. Now, I, I mentioned it's facing eastward. Eastward represents the eye. It represents the window to the soul. Now, if Abraham and the wise men came from the east going to the west, the... Captivity was going to the east. The Ark of the Covenant was envisioned by Ezekiel flying to the east. And uh, the captivity, returning captivity, will come from the west. 
going eastward and going westward represent something. Like Adam was placed eastward in Aden, they were driven out eastward of Eden. Cain uh, ran off, was driven away eastward, further eastward from Eden. So those several eastward represent something. Though the coming back from east to west represents something. If east coming back to west, that means say you face the door of the tabernacle. You face westward to face God. Of course, right now we don't pray facing the Jerusalem, facing west. But before Daniel was facing west, he was in Babylon, in Persia. When he prayed, he always prayed west. That's why the Muslims copied that uh, practice. He faced westward into why? Facing westward symbolizes something. Of course, they're facing the temple. They're facing Jerusalem. But it, this is all symbolical. The door of the eastern gate, that is where Christ entered in. The door of the eastern gate will be shut until Christ comes back. The door of the temple faces east. If you notice geographical uh, blueprints, okay, uh, no, a building bl blueprints, even the tabernacle, the building of the tabernacle, the blueprint in building the tabernacle, it's facing east. Then from east, it's it represents something. If you want to enter into the presence of God, you have to enter from the eastern gate. That's why you face west. In Ezekiel chapter 8, they worship the sun god facing east. So their backs was turned towards the altar of God. And Ezekiel had a vision of that. Yes. So it's symbolically worshiping the sun. They, they face east, the rising sun. They turn their backs to the west. They turn their backs to the altar. So facing east, facing west represents something. Going to the east. Going to the west, coming back from the to the west, represents something. Okay, so since they all represent something, now let's talk about the inner man. If you, if the temple represents a person, a believer, uh, the body, soul, spirit, the person who represents the believer is. Uh, his eyes is the window of his soul. When he faces east, his heart is in the in the entertainment, in the libangan, uh, leisure things in life. Like uh, Satan's Eden, the message of Barbaranam, that uh, all trees they they give uh, enjoyment for the our first parents until they forget about about God's instruction. Okay, the same today we need to give instruction to our families because they're having their own Satan's Eden, even though it's COVID-19 uh, pandemic. They're still finding ways to entertain themselves to forget about God. Well, God wants them, wants us to teach them to remember Him and how to make God to be our enjoyment. Our life, our leisure, His Word, His revelations, His mysteries. So, this is where we go into the what we call soul searching. 
meditation, personal devotional time, studying the Word. So, from facing outward, we face inward. As an individual, you have personal devotional time. You are berean. You prove all things. Your enjoyment is in apologetics, uh, what we also call debate. Your enjoyment is uh, proving the Word personally for yourself. But let's expand further. This is something I've not taught before in my previous videos. There's also Jerusalem, which represents the church, the body of Christ, and the temple represents Christ. We can use the temple to represent our family. We can use the temple to represent our, 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 our ministry, our church, our local church. And how do you look inward? You look inward by not focusing only to evangelize new converts. You, you look inward. Let me finish. Let me finish. You look inward by looking at the families in the church if they are, are growing or half dead. <laughs> if they are spiritually uh, hungry or if spiritually impoverished. Okay. Aside from the families in our church, look at our own family. Is our family all uh, matured Berean already? Are they being trained uh, complete, completely? So, um, you can represent the temple as the church, local church, as a family unit, and as an individual. So, in all this, you have to look inward. Looking inward is represented by looking going west. Uh, going west, which means like King... And Adam, driven towards the east, they want, you want to come back to the west? There's a flaming sword in Eden that will cut you up. <laughs> but symbolically, we have to be cut up by the sword of God, by the word of God, the flaming sword of God. We have to be cut up in order to get back to the tree of life. Yes. Of course, the literal physical tree of life uh, is not there. But even the garden become thorns and thistles, filled with thorns and thistles. It's no longer viable for farming. They, they have to go west, uh, eastward to, to find more fertile soil. So, Adam was really forced eastward. But going back to God is going back to Jerusalem. What, like when Abraham was called to Salem and Melchizedek blessed him. These are all connected to each other. And it represents going westward, going internally into your soul, your inner man, as an individual, as a family Look at your wife. Look at your children. Are they growing? Uh, seek, seek, seek coordination help from judge counselors, who ministers. Um, are, uh, how about families in the local church? Are they growing? So we have to tend to them. That's pastoring. That's the more complete form of pastoring. Tend to them how, what they should be doing in their homes. How should, should they be spending you said a while ago we cannot force them to do anything, but we can teach them. We can evangelize to them. That's our obligation because many of the parents are ignorant or they're having amnesia, spiritual amnesia. They uh, they forgot everything about judge counseling, hukuma classes before. They forgot. They they're doing their own way. So we need to evangelize them back. That is internalization. That I mean to say. Uh, Looking westward represents looking into your own church what needs to be done. Do not think for a while like the, in the traditional way. Everything's all right because every Sunday they're filled up. Look at their homes. That is how we, uh, how we 
rate, uh, grade uh, the, the level of their spirituality, the needs, the, the exhortations. So that's, that's what's being represented by going westward. Now, I, I, watch, I just wish to say something before I let you ask a question. Before before you before you ask the question, let me say a little further, a little further, a little further, a little further. Um, the water of life springing from the soul. When Christ said, "The water of life," He told the Samaritan woman, "She will become a well of water, spring well spring of water of life." Uh, that's in John four fifteen, and in John seven also. Uh, John 7.38, he will become a, he, out of his belly shall flow forth rivers of living water. It represents the body as, as a person, as a temple. Aside from that, the family can be and the ch- local church can be. A spiritual uh, a temple that uh, mentioned by Jesus Christ that out of the belly, uh, the belly shall flow rivers of living water. It is not literal in, in connection to Genesis chapter 2, it is a literal physical rivers that flow in the Garden of Eden. Yes, yes. But uh, my question is, uh, the topic of the, the eastward of the Garden, uh, eastward of Eden, I, I, I think... The video, Exploring Eden Eastward. Exploring Eden Eastward, that these four rivers... Uh, rivers in Genesis, in Genesis was uh, the three rivers is not yet been uh, active yet, but it is like a, a stream or what is called what we call what are you calling that? Uh, so, so Gihon, how, uh, uh, Gihon became a spring. Gihon is spring, but uh, the Euphrates is a the one rivers that well active now in 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 Assyria. So the other Assyria. rivers, the other rivers become redirected. They have changed course. Uh, so uh, during the after the fall, after the flood, the rivers have changed course. If you if you use a type and shadow for the church ages, the seven thousand years human creation week. Uh, after the first millennia, the rivers have changed course. Uh, it, the first millennia is a thousand years. Yes, the first millennia, if you type that to efficient church age. Okay. The second church age, the the Holy Spirit springing forth in the church became very few. The anointing became very few. The Word of God became very few. Represent all the um, wait, wait. What happened to the rivers? Uh, the the rivers is represent the Holy Spirit. Yes. In the church, yes. Yes, yes. And I remember, I remember, I was talking about that. So let me resume. Um, the the seven thousand years. So this topic is very big. It has to be chopped to many pieces. You cannot preach all of this all at once. So, um, no one can understand if this video. Exploring Eden Eastward is also about the location of the Garden of Eden. 
But there are many topics there. There's the river, there's the type of the temple, and there's eastward and westward. And uh, right now, we have the type of the Human Creation Week in the Church Ages. <laughs> the uh-huh. parallel. So la- right now, we're talk- going to talk about the parallel of the 7,000 years with the seven church ages. Uh-huh. In the first thousand year, the river was there coming from the west going to the east. Yes. In the first thousand year, uh, there was no flood yet. Okay. So, uh, the river still ran its course, although the physical Garden of Eden uh, was transformed into a wilderness of thorns and thistles uh-huh. and briars. So, um... The river said was dry up. No, not yet, not yet, not yet. It's starting to dry up, but not yet, not yet fully. It will be after the flood and the river changed its course. The, the, the dry deserts of the Middle East will not be dry deserts overnight. It will take a thousand years. Okay. So, after the time of Noah, uh, the river changed its course. It's no longer flowing from uh, from the geographical spot where Adam was created. It's no longer flowing from where the temple would stand. There's only just the Gihon Spring. The Gihon Spring represents something. Okay. It's no longer a big river. It's just a small spring. If you read Ezekiel 47... From that small spring, it will become a large river again. So this is what... restored. That Ezekiel 47 is by time frame application in the millennium, after the tribulation. After Christ comes back to earth, standing on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives splitting in half, and rivers of living water coming from the temple will pass through that split mountain to water the dry deserts of the Middle East. So... Um, what we, uh, after the thousand years, after the flood, we have we, that rivers changing course. Later, they will build the temple near where the Gihon Spring would be. Okay. The Gihon Spring represents the Holy Spirit in the Second Church Age. So remember, in the second thousand year, third thousand year, it represents Smyrna and Pergamos uh-huh. going to Theatera. The the Gihon Spring will become will no longer be a river. So what happened to the revelation of the Word of God? The revelation of the Word of God. So the the, the temple is built in the side of the rivers of Gihon. Yes, uh, side of Gihon. So the north side. Why is the it is that in Revelation chapter twenty two in the midst of the temple we flow uh, the river uh, the pure rivers of living water? If you read Ezekiel forty seven, the river will pass through the temple. Okay. The temple uh, throne, the temple floor. The temple will be rebuilt, but when the river comes back, when the spring Gihon spring comes back to life again. The gushing out of the water passing through Mount of Olives will pass through the temple. Okay. That, it's as though the temple will be the one 
to will be the conduit, will be the frontliner to dispense the water before it went goes to the pass through the mount, split mountain of olives, then to the dry deserts. So uh, the Gihon Spring, although it's not directly inside the temple, the water will still pass through there. Okay. That's why you read in Revelation, it comes from the temple, it comes from the throne, it comes from the mercy seat. Okay. So. It represents. It represents many things. It rep- a believer, a believer that uh, gushes out. How does the believer gushes out uh, rivers of living water? Okay. The believer confesses. The believer becomes from Aaronic reporter to Melchizedek uh, by his own volition, by voluntarily wanting to apologetics, to evangelize, to reckon others. That's why if you can reckon other families, you have a living, river living water. I'm saying it is uh, welling up within you. That if you are not yet like that, you're still a small spring, you're weakling. <laughs> You must under you must uh, su- um, submit to the with, uh, to the help uh, of a supervisor, a guide, a trainer, a a mentor, uh, uh, someone to guide you to uh, to to exhort others to speak the word to others to confess. Like I instructed Sister Lisa to tell others what I told her. Uh, like that's also according to Jesus Christ, Brother Francis, in in, in John chapter. Uh, 7 verse 38 says, He that believe on me, as the scripture hath said, out of this valley shall flow rivers of living water. So, how can, uh, how can this uh, man believe, but how, how, how can this be fulfilled to a man uh, to show for that out of this valley flow rivers of living water? When a person receives a revelation, this is also happening to Nicolaitan people. But this is the revelation. Yes, uh, a person who is Berean, okay. uh, whether mature or immature, receives the word. Okay. And he becomes a lively stone. Batong buhay, lively stone. Okay. First Peter chapter two verse five. Then he goes around and speaks the word, like what Brother Branham did. Like, like what the Samaritan woman did. Like what we should be doing to our uh, constituents, the families in the church. The, uh, what other um, self-interest elders are still doing, they're evangelizing others. They're only talking to outsiders, not to their own family, not to their, to their own brethren in the local church. So, um, uh this river of living water is the revelation of the Word of God. Of course, for some other Pentecostals, they would interpret this river as the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Uh, Brother Lito, when he was fasting, when he was still under UPC or their, his own pastor, when he was uh, taught how to fast regularly, he had anointing that he can pray and others will listen and others will cry. Pastor Villagonzo also had that anointing. So he passed by and others will just cry. It's very deceptive because you will think that they're all right. Those who are going to, to Pentecostal churches and they feel the presence of the Spirit, they think they're filled. They have their filled. They have their cups filled. But that's uh, deceptive. That's just a stepping in. That's just sensation. What really fills you is revelation of the Word. Yes. 
whether you have that sensation or not. It, there's nothing wrong to have that sensation, but you need the revelation of the Word of God. That is what the river represents. The river can represent, uh, in a shallow way, the presence of the Spirit of God. But in a deeper way, it is the revelation of the Word. Because the true revelation of the Word carries in itself the presence of God. Christ said, Thy Word is truth. Thy, the Word is Spirit. Uh-huh. Spirit is truth. So, the Word of God carries in itself the presence of God also. The more you speak, the more anointing you have. That's what I told Sister Lisa. She, if she wants to get strong again, she has to tell others what I've taught her. If she's not going to evangelize others, she's going to grow weak and weak and weak. And she will follow her own righteousness, sariling discarte, instead of um, continuing the right way. So, the river of living water for a believer is when he receives the word and he uh, speaks the word continuously. Of course, it should be continuously. If the river, if you are a river, you're uh, you're not a uh, broken cistern. You have have you read that book of Brother Branham, Broken Cistern? Yes. Broken cistern, sirang balon. The water is stagnant. And they're filled with many maggots or or other insects or um, uh, worms of mosquitoes and uh, eggs of mosquitoes. Um, but uh, because the water is stagnant, but a, a, the, a cistern that is not broken, you are a well. You, you, the, the water keeps flowing. You are a wellspring, a spring, wellspring of water. A water. The water is fresh. The water gives life. So, symbolically, in a spirit, spiritually, in a person, he speaks the word continuously. He shares the word continuously. Uh-huh. And that is why in uh, complete pastorship in local churches, you have to train families. The families that are still weak, that are not yet talking about the word, you have to teach them a lifestyle, like in an ironic form, robot first, uh, follow first, hypocritical first, that you still have to follow... Uh, a rigid uh, way of lifestyle about the word, then eventually God will quicken it, and eventually they they will grow accustomed. The, the child, the the parent, the family, they they all center around the word of God. They talk about the word of God. They evangelize also. They they are become a wellspring of water, blessing others, uh-huh. that giving water to others. That should be the case for a family. That should be the case for a believer. That should be a case for a local church. Uh-huh. It's a whole local church, they are all matured. They can be giving water to others. Right now, <laughs> we are not giving water to others. Uh, only maybe some few elders evangelizing a small portion of the truth. So, um, we uh, we do not uh, yet uh, fully give an example. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but mostly we don't. Uh, if others see young uh, young children testifying about the word of God, sometimes they feel blessed. But it's all, as far as as it's only as far as that we can do. But it should be more. It should be a super church. The whole church should be a super church as a wellspring of water of life. So um, it all comes with the word. Are we evangelizing? Are we discipling? Are we teaching all nations? Some some other denomination are doing that, but of course they're Nicolaitan. They're not. They're not. They don't have the complete message of the R. 
But they're being blessed. They're growing into a mega church. They're growing into mega churches. So, because of the anointing of speaking the word. If you speak the word, you confess Christ, that is your salvation. And you, con- you have to continuously do that. It's not one time, Jesus Christ is Lord, okay, bye-bye, I'm through. Uh, that, that's the inadequacy in evangelicals uh, in saying just accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So what comes next? So it should be a continuous confession. That is the lifestyle we should be doing. That's why it's not just uh, read reporting as some, some few minutes at night. That is just a stepping stone. We should reach Deuteronomy 6-7 that you talk about the, the God's word. Not just with our own family members, with our own church members, but also outside. Uh-huh. So uh, the practice of uh, offering, inviting them to Bible studies or, or interviewing them of their teachings, that is a way of discipling and pastoring and bringing how they will manifest this gift, this gift of speaking the word, then you will receive the anointing of God. This is also part of ministry gifts. In Corinthians 12, there are gifts of the Spirit that are supernatural. Uh-huh. And there is the gifts that is natural, that does not involve uh, supernatural miracles, manifestations. It involves, uh, it, does not, it does not seem miraculous to the outside, but if you focus on the Word, those are ministry gifts. So there's the gift of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers. These are ministry gifts mentioned in First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Uh-huh. But First Corinthians master, chapter 12 also mentions supernatural gifts. And others are, are focused on the supernatural. That's why we can also apply the water to the spirit presence of the spirit. But that's the shallow part. The shallow part. Even though it's spectacular to the outside world, in the eyes of the outside world, it's only spectacular to the unbelievers. Uh-huh. But if you're in-depth in, in the Word of God, you're not an unbeliever. You're not, you're not very much carried away with that. Uh, Nicolaitan denominations can have that, those supernatural miracles, those gifts, those presents. It could manifest in them and others will flock to them and they become a mega church. But what we need is the progressive truth of the word. So you grow from being a child, from being babies into mature men. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. Uh Strong meat belong to them who are of age, who who are skilled in the word, who can discern right and wrong. Uh, Judge, no? Hukum, can discern right and wrong. So going back to, let me continue my church age parallelism. 7,000 years. The first 1,000 years represents Ephesus. The last 1,000 years is the millennium. They represent Laodicea age. And I wonder if you've seen me tackling this parallelism before. Have you seen me drawing that in the whiteboard? Uh-huh. In the chapel? Have you seen me? Yes. Sir. Okay. So I'm recalling that to you. And to those listeners of this audio, I cannot tackle everything here. <laughs> you have to look up, look for those videos. I hope someone in the office could compile them. Um, the first church age, the f- Holy Spirit was in its fullness uh, coming down to the church, Acts 2.33. This Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, was being poured out. So, in the first thousand years, the rivers from Eden are 
big are full flowing. They're watering the Middle East. It's not yet a dry desert. Okay. It's a lush uh, greenery of vegetation. Why? How do you know that? Because Ezekiel 47 says it will come back to life again. Of course, Genesis 2 is, describes it already. So Ezekiel 47 and Genesis 2 are just the efficient part and the Lydian part, the first thousand year part from Adam and the last one thousand year from since the time of Adam. So what what happened in the middle? If you remember a communion that the first day is a holy convocation and the last seventh day is the holy convocation, you remember that in the communion? Yes. Uh-huh. The unleavened bread. The middle part it re- represents uh, backsliding, uh, apostasy, and restoration. The story of the church. The story of the church age. Yes, yes. The, there is an apostasy after the first church age. The second church age was not as worse as the third, but it gets, wor- gets worse and worse until the dark ages. Uh-huh. So the, 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 the literal uh, spring of Gihon after the flood, represents the weakness the, uh, the, of the believer, the, 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 the frailty of man, the total depravity of man. Man coming short of the glory of God. It could not, it could not water the whole Middle East. Sometimes it could water just you personally. <laughs> Work out your own salvation because they, they, they are not yet adequate to water the whole Middle East. So, in the second church age, third church age, the word becomes apostatized and salvation is by being Berean. Of course, salvation has always been being Berean repentance, even from the start, even from the past, even from the Old Testament. But I'm saying the word of the apostles become um, diluted and uh, corrupted in the second, third church age. Salvation is by your own, is by surviving ministry. There's a surviving ministry, what my pastor calls a surviving ministry. The ministry of God does not have a a solid uh, singular truth. Like today, if you go up to, to the churches, there are many levels of truth. There are many deceptions also. But can how does God save? God looks at your heart. If you have Berean repentance, God can justify you. So after the second, third, fourth church age, what happened to the Holy Spirit anointing manifestation? It died down. It doesn't mean it disappeared. It still exists. Sometimes it's, it manifests. But it is not as widespread, not as uh, um, broadcasted, widely known. As it was in the day of Pentecost, as it was in the day of, of the book of Acts, when the apostles in Jerusalem had their revival, had their miracles. Now, fast forward to restoration, 1500s, the word is being restored, the fourth watch. Then going down to the Laodicea age, our last century, we have this Pentecostal revival again. If you are aware of this history, are you aware of the Pentecostal revival of the 1900s? So from Protestantism, they had a revelation of the gifts of the Spirit in the 1900s. And the gifts of the Spirit in the 1900s, they represent the 
restoration in the millennium of the rivers of living water. Okay. So, so during the Laodicean Church Age, at the beginning of the Laodicean Church Age, there was this Pentecostal revi- revival, and Brother Branham was caught up with it. Before he had this message of restoration, he was first evangelized by these eva- Pentecostals. So, he had this gift of the Spirit, and sometimes you see in his preaching, he's talking about the, this gifts, the presence of God, and the uh, gifts of the Spirit, uh-huh. baptism of the Holy Ghost. So, the same revival in Ephesus, the same revival in Laodicea, Pentecostal age. Now, is Laodicea a perfect age? Yes or no? No. No. The same with the millennium. In the millennium, it's the serpentine nature seed, the serpent seed, within the bloodstream are not yet thoroughly purged. It will be purged by the hybriding for the sheep group and their descendants. And it will be collected in the goat group that will... The, the, that will collect the, those who will not uh, repent but just follow in the millennial reign hypocritically uh-huh. because, of, because of the rod of iron, because of authority. So at the end of the millennium, there's this uh, little season wherein Satan will be let loose to tempt those who are not sincere and they will be gathered together. The government will temporarily... Uh, hold its uh, capital punishment. So this uh, young generation, young generation could be 70 years old and or more. This generation of rebels in the millennium, they will gather together as the sand of the sea surrounding Jerusalem. The sand of the sea is surrounding Jerusalem to take over the government. So that, that shows millennium is not yet a perfect Government, but during the millennium, the river of living water will restore, will come back. That's in Ezekiel 47. Yes. It talks about a small stream, and it became a small river where you can walk in. The water is onto your heels, onto your feet, then your heels, then to your legs, then to your knees, uh-huh. then to your waist, then above you, like you are baptized. Then uh, a water to swim over. <laughs> you cannot just walk in the water, but you have to swim over. Ah. You have to be baptized in that water. So Ezekiel 47 talks about the restoration of the ho- the presence of the Holy Spirit. Ah. Now it's deceptive when the Holy Spirit in Laodicea age, the Pentecostal churches, they had these gifts of the Spirit. They have this presence. They have this supernatural power. It's deceptive. Ah. Why? Because they think they have it. In the millennium, it's deceptive, like similar to our our brethren in the church. Um, as long as my child is studying, uh, he is graduating, he is uh, passing his grades, I have nothing to worry about. I'm not worried about his spiritual. No? I'm worried only about his school, his uh, studies, his, he's not doing drugs, like that. So that's like Satan's Eden, millennium. Millennium can also be Satan's Eden. Yes. So, it, in our uh, church, we can uh, be deceptive people, that... Some, some people may ask, uh, what, why the millennium called, called you as a Satan's Eden? Because there are people who are not really 
uh, sheep group who are not really interested with the Lord, but they just follow the government. Okay. Like your child, if you if you assert authority by predestination, not all children will be saved. Uh-huh. Uh, why do you assert authority? Because you still can give him blessing and your love to him in this life. <laughs> because he can still receive blessings from God in this life. He can also have a chance for a smaller version of salvation, of not suffering in the lake of fire. Uh-huh. But if he will be saved, you had a big role in it. You did your role as a father. Uh-huh. So, asserting authority in your family does not guarantee he's sealed, but it, it gives a higher percentage to do so. Uh-huh. The same thing in the church. Many of our families, uh, even if they are matured in judge counseling ministry, we're successful in that smooth pastoring ministry, not all of them will be Berean. Uh-huh. But, at least they will receive blessings from God, even through carnal ways. So, Satan see then, uh, people are concerned with the physical, the carnal, the material. Uh, you're not sick, you're not uh, hit with COVID-19, you are safe, you have a good life, you have a good wife, you settle down, a good family, just like that. That's how carnal people could be. That's as far as they want their children to be. They, they, they are not aspiring Everyone should be a priest. Everyone should be a royal priesthood, speaking the word, enjoying the word of God. They're not to that level. So there are two levels. The first level is just contented, attending church, uh, singing. Maybe they're revived with uh, good music. Okay, They're revived in praising God. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe you are just enjoying the presence of God, but not the, not in the in-depth word. Okay. So, so you're just enjoying the preaching, the praise worship, and it's over. <laughs> ah. So we have families that are not focused on the word. They're focused on the, only on that. Ah. So that's why we have a uh, big work for us to do as a pastor, as ministers um, in a local church to make them understand what what does it really to mean to fellowship with God, to enjoy, to feast upon His Word, ah. to, to to grow in revelation, not just uh, a member, not just a outward member. Uh, we are inadequate in our Aaronic training. So so we cannot help that there is a really real Satan's Eden. They feel okay. They don't feel anything anything wrong. Like Adam and Eve was in Eden, they didn't feel the danger. The danger was lurking there, even though it take, take a, take, took a hundred years for Eve to fall, or less, more or less, a hundred years. Eve, every minute, there's a lurking danger. Ah. Of course, in our time, in the, in the local church, the time is much shorter. There's a, re, many, there's a danger lurking there in our lives, in our families, in our children, in our individuals, in our, in our elders. But they're, they're unaware they they feel secure. Okay. They feel safe. Yes. So when they say when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them. The same thing in the millennium. In the millennium, parallel to the Laodicean Church Age, the water of life was there. There's the the greenery. The vegetation would come back, and there's peace and plenty. There must no no death. So everything. Uh, there are people there who think um, carnally. 
Okay? The, the same thing in Laodicea Church Age. It's not just the Pentecostals. We could include the end-time churches in our church. That people could feel complacent. Nicolaitan. If you're Nicolaitan, you can feel complacent. Yes. You've reached a level of truth that you no longer need any more correction. You don't need any more being Berean to compare. Sometimes you avoid, because you're the most mature in judge counselor, you avoid continuous dis- training. You need certain, you lack certain things, but you feel you're already Laodicea. I have need of nothing. So, so that uh, kind when, of sentiment. When people avoiding the uh, uh, and judge counseling uh, judge counselor or counseling ministry, or and the people avoiding to probable things is like a uh, a river that was been dried up. Yes, the river will start to dry up. The river will start to dry up, and now we hear someone saying he's getting weak. He's getting weak. So, in here in the Laodicea Church age, some Pentecostals, they are still on fire. Uh-huh. In our church, some are getting weak, but in other churches, they're on fire. But deep inside, they're also getting weak in the Word. Okay. They're getting distant from the Lord. The Lord will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Depart from me. Because they are no longer Berean. They might have been Berean for a short while when they were converted to the church. But since that church doesn't teach you to be Berean, it's only the Holy Spirit that led you there for you to compare, then you stop being Berean. Although when you say, uh, even you are, uh, when you say that uh, you are uh, fully matured uh, now, but you are, all, you are always submitting yourselves one to another. Yes, you should be, there should not be any bias. There should not be any discrimination. Okay, yes. How, if you claim you are really Berean, you are really no bias to prove all things. You must not single out any person. I can talk to anyone except him. <laughs> except Brother Francis. Uh, he must be avoided. <laughs> uh, you have you have uh, creating your boundaries. Yes, you, you, you made the wall. Yes. If the person is not hard to talk to, if the person is reasonable to talk to, he has some evidence that you need to know. As a child of as a child of God, you're obligated to prove all things. Okay. If you can hear others, why can't you hear Him? Yes. Why did you stop? Whether doctrinally or in judge counseling or personal, it's the devil's deception. Uh-huh. That's that's Satan's Eden. Because God is blessing you for the portion of truth that you're holding. You feel the presence of God. You feel the blessing of God. Your church is is on fire, but they're not Berean. Okay. They're no longer Berean. They might be evangelizing others. They could be doing partial service to God as a stepping stone to others. But you could be also used by the devil because you, if you're not Berean, you'll become Nicolaitan, whether in deed or in doctrine. You could be preventing others from going further. You could be setting a death trap uh-huh. to others who are on their journey towards perfection. So, we... we as a church, we should no long, we should not forever hold anyone uh, in a close-minded state. We could temporarily disciple someone temporarily, close his mind to others, but not forever. We are obligated to train him to prove all things, to take note of others, uh-huh. 
So this is uh, what's happening to the other churches. So this is the deception in the Laodicea church age. So the the the, the water of life, literal water that uh, watered the Middle East, maybe the whole world in the millennium. Uh, that's not yet the final state. The final state is the eternal age. The uh, eternal age will be. Uh, let's, okay. Uh, the last thing I remember I said is about the Laodicea Church age. It's not yet perfect, but sometimes people feel it's there because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came back. The outpouring, like in the day of Pentecost, came back in in Pentecost of 1900s. Okay. The Pentecostal churches. You le- read their testimonies. There's a charismatic wave coming through all the churches. There's the first wave, second wave, third wave. It's uh, the original Pentecostal churches. Then there's the Protestant churches. Then there's the Catholic church. And even maybe non-Christians. They feel the wave of this Holy Spirit anointing coming. For them, that's the only important thing. Not the word of truth. Not the restoration of the word of truth. Uh-huh. So let's talk about uh, the eternal age. The real perfection, the eighth day, is after the millennium. So after the millennium, there's the little season, the great white throne judgment, then the eternal age. The eternal age is the eighth day. If you compare that to the Laodicea church age, that's the millennium. So on the standard of the church age, the millennium is the final perfection. The Holy Spirit return, the fullness. I'm talking of the churches, okay? Uh-huh. Of course, it's different from the individual when the individual becomes a mature Berean. We're not yet talking about the individual. We're talking of the church age and uh, the Laodicea compared to the millennium, which is more perfect. Uh-huh. Which is more perfect. Laodicea compared with the millennium. Which has more Holy Spirit? Laodicea is more complete than the millennium. No, I'm asking you. (laughs) You have multiple choice. Which Uh, is more complete? Which is more perfect? Laodicea Church Age, Pentecostal Revival of Laodicea Church Age, or the millennium? uh, Millennium. Millennium. Remember, in the tribulation period, there will be a Jewish revival of the Holy Spirit by the two prophets. There's the final lettering for them. So, in the la- when the indignation of God pours out in the last part of the tribulation period, the, that's the Holy Spirit indignation. <laughs> but the millennium, the presence of God will heal everything. Okay? Okay. So, uh, Revelation 21 has parallel applications. The, there will be no more pain, no sorrow, no death. And God will wipe away the tears from their eyes. And the tabernacle of God is with men. Uh, it means a lot of things. It could be applied to the millennium. It could be applied to the eternal age. Uh, now, the millennium is the perfection's eighth day of the Laodicean seventh church age. Uh, seventh day. Now, so the real eighth day is the millennium for Laodicea. The eternal age is the eighth day of the 7,000 years human creation week. Okay, it is so, a Yes, millennium has the water of life, but not yet fully perfect. But in the eternal age, all goats, all serpentine natures, serpent seeds, will have been taken out. 
eliminated, removed from the earth. Okay. Uh, thrown out into outer space, in outer darkness. And uh, lake of fire. Lake of fire, of course, in other stars, in other galaxies, in other nebulae. But outside the earth, the, the, the center of the earth, the Tartarus, will be emptied out of its Hades occupants. Hades dimension occupants will no longer be in Tartarus. They will be transferred to the lake of fire. Uh-huh. So the the dead the grave gave up the dead. <laughs> so the, the the there's no longer uh those in the lake of fire because they uh, sorry, there's no longer those in, in Tartarus because they will be uh in the Great White Throne Judgment. From the Great White Throne Judgment they will be judged and thrown into outer, outer darkness uh-huh. the lake of fire. So the earth will be cleansed. When you read the Bible, the outside New Jerusalem are the dogs. The New Jerusalem will not just be the church. Uh-huh. It will be the whole earth. It will be the whole earth. The whole earth will be cleansed. So in, in the eternal age, there will be no more sin. There also will be no more reproduction. So in the millennium, there is still reproduction. So in the millennium, God, God will show through Jesus Christ the rod of iron. How? Um how to rule the government perfectly, even if there's a serpent seed. Uh-huh. He, he will show um, uh, how what is the right rulership. Then, the eternal age, there will be no longer any rod of iron. Because everyone... Eternal age. So this is my question, Brother Francis. Uh, in eternal age, there are, there are called immortal people, or what we can call this... Uh, People in the millennium, uh, in the eternal age. You can call them immortal. There are two, people, there are two uh, kinds of people in the eternal age. Those who are not glorified body. Yes. And so those who are in their glorified body. Those, and who are they? These are the children of the sheep group that survived the tribulation. Uh, that were per- uh, they, permitted they, to enter. They are not passed in the great white throne judgment. They are also judged in the Great White Room Judgment. That's why the books were opened. Okay. So if the books were opened and they were judged according to the books of their of their deeds, uh, that means to say these are that mostly children of the sheep group. So those who resurrected in the second resurrection, they are those wicked people who rebelled and were killed during. <laughs> they were killed during the. The rebellion, when balls of fire came down from heaven and burned them up, when they surrounded Jerusalem. Okay. Their number as the sand of the sea. So these uh, people, uh, they they came out from the second resurrection. They were also judged in the, they were also judged in the great white throne judgment. Uh-huh. So who are the judges? The judges are those in their glorified bodied state. Uh-huh. And who will be judged? Those in their natural bodied state that are not yet glorified, but they were just re- some are just resurrected uh-huh. because they are wicked. They came up in the second resurrection. Uh-huh. So those they will be judged according to their deeds, and they will be thrown in the lake of fire. So even the sheep are judged according to their works, if they were. And they will be uh, exonerated and they could enter the eternal age. Uh-huh. Similar to the sheep and goats entering into the millennium. 
the same thing the great white throne judgment they will separate who will enter the eternal age but the number will be more than just the sand of the sea of the that surrounded Jerusalem they uh, will be innumerable because that will be the final tally I wonder if you were in Manalite when Pastor Oldan challenged me um, someone Barolito asked me will there be any reproduction in the eternal age I was unsure of what I have to answer maybe <laughs> Then Pastor Roldan, so I could be barren to receive some revelation from him. Pastor Roldan said, no, no more reproduction. Why? Because the book of life has been read. The final tally of those who will be saved are, have been read. And there will be no more additional children that will be born that needs to be tested. Everyone that should be tested have been tested. Uh-huh. Since everyone that should be tested has been tested the final tally of humanity that will be ruled by the glorif- the, ki- the gl- Christ and the church and the bride is final. Uh-huh. The final tally has been final. The final tally of the people in the eternal age that will be in, they are not in their glorified body state. They're in their natural body. But they have immortality. Okay. They, Immortality because of the bride, because of Christ. Now, going back to the rivers of living water. The eternal age water will be greater than the millennium. Because that will be bliss. That's almost Revelation 22. Uh You compare that to Laodicea in the millennium. Uh You compare that in the millennium and Laodicea church age. The Pentecostal revival in Laodicea Church Age pales in comparison to the millennium. Millennium. Why they confirmed? Again, again? Why they confirmed? Compared to the millennium? Why they pale? Pale in comparison. Opo, yes. They they pale, not fail, pale. A a fail? Not fail, that's a Bisaya uh, uh, tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Pale, practice letter P. P. Pale. Pale. Yes. Pale. Uh, pale in comparison. Namumutlak uh, pale. In comparison. Pale in comparison to uh, to the anointing in the millennium. Okay. So let's go back. The first thousand years and the seventh thousand year will both have these large rivers of living water. Uh-huh. The first church age will have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And the seventh church age will also have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We witnessed yes. them already. When the Azusa Street. Yes. But you have to go to the eighth day. <laughs> uh-huh. So right now, we are just in the process of restoration. Okay. So even from this outpouring, we need to enter into the millennium. So, the reason, the, so that's why this human creation week and the seventh church age is the same. The human creation week is parallel and... Type and shadow of the uh, seven church age. The seven church age is where uh, children will be made into the image of God. Okay. The fifth so day what and the was the day. cost, or when was that happen uh, in the in the eternal age? That was when the, the rivers were flowed out into the midst of the temple. Uh, Literal water. Uh, yes, that, uh, in in the in the eternal age, uh, the water that 
the rivers of living waters flowed out in the midst of the temple and goes out to the Ah, uh, this is not eternal age or it is not uh, or it is in the millennium Revelation 21 Revelation 22 has parallel applications Okay you can apply it to the millennium millennium beginning of millennium you can also apply it to the beginning of the eternal age okay. both can be applied because they are parallels millennium and eternal age is parallel you remember the eighth is of the seventh yes. regarding the head seventh head uh-huh. so the eighth is of the seventh they are similar okay because go back to genesis the sabbath the seventh day god rested from all his work uh, my question is what about uh, the eighth day it's just a continuation of the seventh day okay okay question uh what was uh when was that happen and what is the cause that the rebuild uh the rivers will flow out into the midst of uh uh the temple that goes out into the mediterranean sea it comes up from underground the gihon spring comes from the underground and it will not just of course a spring is small opening but what was the cause that will uh, came out out of the ground from the ground it was god's uh, miracle to flow out ah uh, of course it's a geological event that god will cause it to happen of course god god's prophecy god will cause it to happen okay so uh, is the reason why the the rivers of waters that flowed out into the midst of the the temple it's god's uh, purpose or it is god's miracle to God's plan. Uh, it's part of God's plan and God's type and shadow. God's message to us. Okay. It will happen literally and there's a message hidden there. There is no physical uh, uh, cause. Oh, it was not caused by... If you're asking for physical, man-made. it could be geologically, underground, there are cracks in the rocks, there are caverns where it will be filled with water. Okay. And the water from Gihon Spring will not just be in in the in that spring. It will be many places all around the temple, even within the temple, and it will gush forth through the temple. <laughs> gush forth through the temple those water of life, those uh, those literal water, uh the of river. That that Aden River. That was literal that flowed out in the temple. Yes, the literal water. Let me give you some detail. Uh The temple is not in Eden. The temple location is where Adam was made and where he was uh, placed eastward in Eden. Okay. Eden, if you compare it to the modern geography, is the Garden of Gethsemane. Look at the map. It is eastward of Jerusalem. It is eastward of the temple. Look at their map. The, your Bible has a map. At the, uh, guard, the Garden of Gethsemane is eastward. Okay, I so have no... If you don't have... Uh, the, the cell phone also has maps. Just type map for Garden of Gethsemane, map of Jerusalem or whatever. Just look it up. It, why is that significant? The Garden of Gethsemane is geographically the same garden of Eden. Uh-huh. Then, go eastward, there's the Mount of Olives. Christ will... Feet will stand on the Mount of Olives when He returns. And the Mount of Olives will split in half. And then the water will pass through the garden, then watering the Middle East. Because 
Eden then was passed by water, by passed by this river. Uh-huh. Then it split into four heads. That's why there's Gihon, uh, Tigris, Euphrates, and Python. So, uh, the water was just restored. What was lost in the time of Adam will just be restored in the millennium, uh-huh. literally, for the literal gardens, a literal dry deserts. You read Ezekiel 47, the dry deserts will come back alive. It's also type to the church. In the church age, there's a restoration of the church in the end time. Uh-huh. Of course, the Pentecostal revival is not yet the full fullness. So, it's just a stepping stone. Let's go to the individual. Uh, we, before... Uh, our heritage from Adam, we were originally of God, but we lost our way. We were born, maybe not individually, maybe as humanity. Um, by humanity, we came from Adam, we lost our, our glory, then we got it back when we got to know God. But let's talk about our Christian life. There was a time we are... Um, we are revived in uh, standing up for God, proving His Word. Okay. We are on fire. And there is a time we've grown cold. <laughs> we've go, we've uh, become lukewarm. Or we've become Nicolaitan sometimes. No? Not by doctrine, but by um, other things, personal things. Uh. So... Um, we we can still be restored. So in our Christian life, it's like the church ages also. In our humanity generation from Adam to the end time, there's also perfection, then fall and restoration or redemption. In our Christian life, we have revival, uh, backsliding, uh-huh. and restoration. We are chastised and we come back. Israel also experienced the same thing. Uh, Israel, there was a time they served God, and then they turned their backs towards God, and God chastised them. God God, uh, dispersed them all over the globe. Then they got back to their country again. Uh, How uh, coincidental, how circumstantial that uh, they got back in in the time of Pentecostal revival. When they got back, Brother Branham was just starting his crusades, uh-huh. 1948, when Israel got back as a nation. So how coincidental. So um, it it has these many parallels from the church to the individual, in the age, in the family, in the local church, in the uh, humanity. Adam. Uh-huh. So here, Human Creation Week also. So the this river of water that were there, then disappeared or diminished, becoming a spring, and, and it will be restored, it will come back to life again. Uh-huh. So it has a, its representation, and these are some of its representation. So hopefully we can reach, uh, in our judge counseling ministry, we could be restored again as it was before. <laughs> because uh, there was a time that uh, everyone was active, and we passed through these dark ages also. 
of course the enemy was there to to uh, put it down. Okay. I hope uh, we could be restored again. So uh, the, there are many parallels for the individual, for the church, for the family, for the age, for humanity. Uh, I can say humanity is 7,000 years of human creation week. Okay. So this river of living water, and it, 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 this, this is just one of the topics. Let me enumerate the topic that is interconnected, okay? Okay. Uh, where, the location of Eden. That's why I call it exploring Eden. There's yes. this location of Eden. The word eastward. Eastward and westward, it's another topic. Uh. It represents something. The temple, it represents something. That represents the body of Christ, the body of a person, the body of believers, the family, etc. Okay, Jerusalem represents something also. So going eastward, westward, the eastern gate represents something. The wise men represents something coming from the east, going to the west. And uh, the, the rivers, it represents something. The rivers that came forth from there represented something. Uh. When it diminished, it represented something. God was showing us something. Yes. This is God's blueprint, God's revelation, God's hidden mystery. He was showing us something so that we will not be ignorant of what is happening, uh-huh. what happened to the age, what happened to our families, what happened to the church, what happened to everyone, and what we should not be uh, too happy about, like uh, we're contented in Satan's Eden. We should be con- con- constantly, continuously walking forth, uh-huh. uh, marching forth. So... Uh, uh, this is being shown by this uh, typology of the rivers. So, the rivers representing the Holy Spirit, representing the restoration of the Word of God, uh-huh. the apostolic truths, and opening up the mysteries. Okay? Opening up the mysteries of God. So, um, what else? It represents a lot of things. When When the person was walking in the water, then... Uh, uh, he was uh, swimming in the water. It represented something in Ezekiel 47. Ah. So, yeah. so all the trees in the garden represented something. All the trees that will be uh, that will grow up again in the dark, dry deserts of Arabia in the Middle East. J- just read Ezekiel 47. Okay. It represents something also. So you go to Revelation 22. The trees represented something. Yes, sir. So, in Psalm chapter one, uh, verse one, verse one. Uh, it rep- that, uh, the tree or the yes, the tree representing people. So planted in the. So there's the tree of life that bear twelve man of fruits. Sides of the river, I mean. So, of course, we cannot uh, mention them all. Uh, we could not preach them all, uh, but we have to teach others. You can preach it in the pulpit. Make people uh, look up to you. Hanga, hanga sayo. Look up to you. Okay? But if you can teach people what they should do at home, look it up for themselves, uh, the videos, the audios, no? uh, variant comparisons, they, they could absorb the message more. Because okay. no preacher can, can cover this. I was just summarizing. Okay. This audio recording is just a summary of all other topics. I might ha- not have tackled all topics separately. Okay. I might. I, I. 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 There's a video of exploring Aden Eastward. There's a video of rivers of living water. Also, I try to summarize it there. What I said here. 
But uh, to try to to go into detail, that's exhortation. That's the word of God. That is uh, enjoyment of the word. It has to be done at home. Brother Francis. Okay. Try out to record all the all the topics that was been uh, not yet been a, uh, a good audio. Then we try to uh, okay, to re uh, review all, all. So so that will be our discussion uh, on coming, on office work. Uh, okay. Please give us a closing prayer first, and let's discuss the office later. Okay. Thank you so much for God this wonderful uh, revelation that was given to us. Please, uh, Brother Francis, uh, uh, let the revelation flow out into all uh, the believers that are hungered to uh, to thy word, like a uh, rivers that flow out of this valley, flow like a rivers of living water, Father God. These all are listeners, and hope that uh, touch them uh, in their hearts by the words that was been uh, tackled today. And may be all blessed with thy revelation. And I thank thee, O Lord, that this revelation is giving us the the enlightenment, that giving us the the uh, the, the conviction and lifted up our spiritual uh, growth and the spirit are enjoying by this uh, topic. Thank you, Lord. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. Okay, stop recording.